this is company. Hello, I'm Sky Manson, back with you for another season of stories all about ambitious women living in the bush and in our cities. It's been a while since we last spoke, and since that time, we've got some news. We've birthed the Manson Podcasting Network, a network that houses lifestyle podcasts from rural Australia. Lots of them are going to be and are already produced and presented by us, but there will be others joining the network too. With her husband and her three children aged 10, 12 and nearly 14. And she's built this business from absolutely nothing to something that consults all over Australia almost on a daily basis. It started 18 years ago as a consultancy in the work health and safety space, but has evolved to become one that is now really focused on helping women, mostly on farms, but not exclusively, to better manage all the balls and juggle all the things in life. I think you are going to find this chat really helpful. Like you're actually going to learn some tips to help you manage your time better. She is, Beck is just so generous. So get your pens ready. It's like a little mini house paddock consulting session. I'll go back to the beginning because what it is now is probably not what it ever was. I did study rural science at university and realised that I loved agriculture but didn't necessarily want to be in a paddock. Uh, and I loved the human element and the business element of um, of ag but, again, wasn't particularly flash with uh, figures. So ended up really immersing myself in, in the areas of work, health and safety and HR. Uh, so I've been uh, 15, 18 years helping producers with work health and safety and HR Uh, but interestingly now a lot of our time is actually spent in a different avenue of business management which we call self-management or personal effectiveness because what we were finding is we'd go into a business to help with work health and safety and HR and I'm going to make some generalizations and stereotype here a little bit but this is um, the stuff we've seen is we'd typically be working with the female business partner We'd find that you know, I'd walk into a farming business in, you know, central west New South Wales or you know, western Queensland and meet this incredible woman who's juggling, you know, making a contribution to a farming business, maybe some kids, maybe even looking after someone older, like an in-law or own parents, contributing to the community. You, you know it. You know mm. the drill, Sky. And yeah. all I could think of, um, and, and sometimes as well, uh, maintaining a role off farm, so working with highly educated women uh, on a lot of occasions who had an audiology degree or a, you know, a law degree, and they've been lumped with a part of the business um, by default. And I think to myself, wow, I'm about to put a whole heap more things on your plate, and that plate was full. And the other thing is, I thought, well, when I leave, and I'll take your money, and I'll make sure you've got some solid compliant procedures and policies in place but who's going to implement them who's going to keep like uh, maintain their upkeep who's going to communicate them to the rest of the team so I found myself going well before I put anything more on your plate do you want a hand to clean it up and that's how I ended up um, uh, working in the space of personal effectiveness and time management and planning and um, those things the other thing is it was born from a place of selfishness. So I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want to be a, a master juggler, if you will. Um, and then, yeah, and, we, and look, we sometimes fail miserably at it and 
you know, sometimes get some of it right and sometimes nail it. So that's a little bit about house paddock. So we now still work a lot in work health and safety in HR and have some really meaningful projects we work with there and clients, but then run some little online programs and workshops around helping people first manage themselves so then they can manage their business. So a little bit about uh, about that. Oh, my goodness. Just like so, so right up my alley. I can't believe I so haven't done cool. more with you. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You use the words, which I haven't heard before, personal effectiveness. What's what's that? Again, is it is it a little bit, am I allowed to say wanky, Sky? Is yeah, it, yes. um, well, what is a word um, that we can use, and I'm, I'd love to workshop it with you, what is a word we can use to basically be, explain being the best version of ourselves? And I believe for us to be effective and productive, it starts within ourselves so for me I can lump a lot of things into personal effectiveness your ability to plan um, to employ discipline over motivation to communicate to set expectations set boundaries manage against them all of that for me we um, and I don't know if that's a novel term I'm not pretending I came up with it I don't but I can't also give credit to where it came from but I don't know if it's um, not a, a phrase I guess that we can use to look at managing ourselves is where it's at and that's the way I see it anything that involves me getting my stuff done and my stuff in a heap I lump into personal effectiveness what kind of what's the framework of all the things that you consider to get a a female who's on a farm sort of in order and ready well, to go and fire you know what um, I'm going to say we thrive on generosity, so I'm happy to give you as much. Like if we can talk for eight hours, I'll give you the program for free. Um, and, look, when I say the program, what is the program? There's lots of them. So I we believe there are four, four pillars of personal effectiveness, if you will, and um, just really quickly because I could talk to you for two hours on each of them. But firstly is really having clarity of what you're trying to achieve, and that is in life and business. And so what is if you put yourself 50 years down the track, five years down the track, 12 months down the track, what does success look like for you? What is it that you will get to the end of where you're going and go, wow, that was actually okay. We, we did what, we got the job done. So that is around having a vision and a mission and all the cliche stuff um, that will allow you to put, almost put a destination in the journey if, if that's sort of isn't too airy-fairy. I'd like to maintain that I'm not actually a backpatter bra burner and more interested in strategy and structure and systems for success. So we go from understanding what you're trying to achieve to creating some goals and strategy. So that's number two, is making sure you've got some solid goals and strategy. And I'll give you these quickly and you can delve as you, as you will. From there, we go into time management um, there's no such thing as good time management. It's good self-management. It's your ability to understand that there's 168 hours in the week. There's 1,006 10-minute increments, and it's how we choose to use them. So that is probably one of the learnings I love to impart on anyone that will give me a chance to talk to them because uh, there's no such thing as good time management for me or you or the next person who is using their time wisely or not. It goes at the same rate and we don't get it back. So the third pillar there is around planning um, and, and I call it efficiency sky because that's where you get your real jammies uh, and the real gold is in, it, in efficiency. And the last thing, which is one of my favourites, which is mindset and execution. So that's where we love talking about things like 
discipline over motivation. So understanding what you're trying to achieve, putting a plan in place and following the damn plan. Um, and the things that we touched on before we recorded around routine and rituals and um, habits and creating that system that will allow you to get to where you need to be. And if you think about the people in your life and work that you admire and sort of think that they're on the straight and narrow, what they have got is an understanding of what they're trying to achieve. They put some guardrails in place and they go straight up the guts without where it's at. So they're our four pillars, if you will. And oh geez, I and and people have different gaps and opportunities for improvement in different areas that some people are incredibly efficient, but they're sort of not in the same right path. Or some people know exactly what they're trying to achieve, but their habits are working against them or they're waiting to be motivated. And yeah, so that's probably um, identifying where people can make either monumental or even micro improvements and encouraging them to do so. So I wanted to ask you about two kind of specific things there, which is time management and um, discipline over motivation. So with yes. time management, and do you look at it holistically? So for a female, things like, I don't know, kids' sports um, commitments and paying bills and doing the washing and cooking as well as all the business things that, that need to be achieved? I'm going to say usually. So um, if you think about it, and, and I know that your audience is far beyond women on the land, a lot of the people we have the privilege to work with are women on the land. And But also let's step into the realm of women who are self-employed or have autonomy over their time. And there isn't a real definition often between work and life. Mm. And sometimes it's about creating that harmony, which, again, you know, we can talk work-life balance and all the cliche things that we can listen to. But um, it, it might be around being opportunistic. And I work best at 4.30 in the morning because then I can afford myself to do sports and the rest. So, um, yes, the short answer is holistic is important. And I also am a firm subscriber to be our best in life, in business, we've got to be humming in life and, and personally and, and vice versa. So I like to think that we can create that well-roundedness, which looking at it holistically is a bit more, makes it a bit more realistic, if that makes sense. I don't know if I've answered your question there, Sky, but definitely if we try and compartmentalise it too much, it can get a little bit tricky and, and not be realistic. If you're really struggling and overwhelmed, overworked, if that's the word, or, you know, have don't have got, 80 hours worth of work to put in a 40-hour window at home versus it could be the opposite and that could be the case at work, you'll be in strife. Yeah. So your time management sort of planning does mm-hmm. entail, is sort of realistic in all the, or do you just focus on how people can manage their time within a business and then? Oh, no, definitely not. And, look, the programs we run, even though they might be funded by an agricultural industry group, we end up talking about meal planning. Yeah, and I think for us to look at it realistically and get a full picture, we do need to blend life and 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 work like work personal and and uh, professional life. So, and even I can say, like from a personal perspective, um, I need to look at both to get either aspect right. I can't look at them separately and expect them to um, then work together. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. And discipline over motivation—that kind of sings to me because I'm a really yeah. good procrastinator. Yeah. Okay. So our philosophy there is quite often there'll be times where you don't feel like doing what you're supposed to do, but if we have clarity around what we're trying to achieve, we've uh, have a plan. Uh, 
if you know that that plan is working towards a goal, might be a personal goal, might be a professional goal, and don't get me wrong, we're talking about getting bills paid on time might be the goal, or running a you know a professionally astute business, which of which a part of is getting bills paid on time. Then you wake up on that morning, you don't wait to be motivated to pay your bills. You are disciplined to follow the damn plan, knowing that it's part of a much bigger picture, and knowing that um, the feeling of success will give you a feeling that manifests as motivation but it's actually um, more momentum if that makes sense so if you were doing what you're supposed to be doing you'll end up with a feeling of satisfaction and achievement that far outweighs the feeling of momentum of, of motivation I was speaking at a conference out in the Kennel country of Queensland and Brooke Hanson was there and I often talk about Olympians if you knew me any well any more you'd know I'm not an Olympian and a long way from one but we often talk about Olympians and whether or not they're motivated and the audience will always say oh they're incredibly motivated and this um, morning I thought geez I'm going to really put this to the test because I've got an Olympian who's speaking directly after me a gold medal winner and I'm going to ask her and I said um, we've got talking about motivation and discipline and I said to her can I ask, uh, firstly, she set goals and she said, well, sort of. And I said, oh, were the goals set for you being an Olympic or world record? And she said, yeah, that's a good point. And I said, did you create a strategy? And she said, absolutely. Did the strategy manifest as a plan? Yep. Did you always feel motivated to follow the plan? And she said, no. And I said, so what did you do? And she said, and I said to her, I said, were well, you disciplined enough to follow the plan? And that's where the success came from. So we mightn't be looking to win uh, um, a world record, but running a family home or, or you know, growing a business or managing a business or contributing to community, whatever it is, it's no different. You set yourself the goal and then create the strategy, use that to develop a plan and then follow the damn plan, whether you feel like it or not. The feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment will be much greater because you knew when you set those goals that they're in line with all the good things your values and your, where you'd like to be and blah 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 right to the, back to the top I often uh, find when I'm when my motivation is low on a specific task um, like a deadline for a magazine for example my motivation is so high in other projects or ideas that it overtakes the <laughs> the deadline yeah. and that's the procrastination you know, the other thing um, I'll say uh, is we often apply um, some pretty serious labels to ourselves. So you've said in the last couple of sentences, I'm a procrastinator, which gives you permission to sit down and go, look, I might as well have a faff about here and see how much time I can kill because I'm a procrastinator. When it's no different to a fussy child or a naughty child, it almost gives them permission to sit down and say, well, what am I going to eat? Because you know I'm fussy. Or similarly, um, we've all got a friend who's late and I can promise you they're probably thinking, oh, it starts at two, but they know I'm going to be late. So it gives them permission to live up to substandard behaviour. So my question is, if you like being a procrastinator, knock yourself out. If you don't, stop being a procrastinator, but stop calling yourself one and start acting like someone who doesn't procrastinate, which is, hey, I've got two hours to sit down and write this article or whatever, and I, I'm, I'm preaching to the converted, I know. But sit down and write the damn article and go, no, I'm not procrastinating. And then eventually you'll think I'm not a procrastinator and you'll change the language. <laughs> Thank you. Hard. Hard. <laughs> True. Uh, but it's no different. We've all got the friend who's the messy one. And if you're not known as the messy one, you'll quickly tidy up before your friends arrive. But if you're the messy one, like, oh, she knows I'm messy. 
That makes sense. I think yeah. the labeling, that's that mindset and um, execution stuff. Yeah. The way we speak to and about ourselves is, oh, Jesus, powerful. You have such high energy. I'd like to go back a bit, like to learn right. about where this came from. So um, have you always been like this, even as a child? No, uh, look, I probably was born lazy. I don't know. I just so much cool stuff that you can get your teeth into if you, I don't know. That's, I'm, I'm flattered by the question because, yeah, I'm probably a little pretty highly charged. I'm a clinical extrovert and I love progress and I love uh, success. So I guess you've got to put the bricks down to, to sort of get there. I think as a child I probably wouldn't have, didn't sit still too much. Um, I was a really lazy student, Sky. I <laughs> got to where I needed to be. De- definitely didn't peak too early. Can't believe um, that. No, I was a terrible student. I, I got to where I needed to be and paid someone to help me get, you know, where I didn't want to go. And oh, I don't know. I think I'm, can I say, and this, again, I really, really sound like a bit of a, can I use the word wanker? I feel like I'm saying like a bit of a wanker. But when you find things that make you tick, geez, it's easy to be energetic about it. Yeah. that's probably where it's at like in the things that I do and I, I feel um and whether I've positioned myself I definitely don't subscribe to luck but I've been lucky enough or brave enough for long enough to position myself to do something that's really damn cool and as a result I, I'll I'll talk for 10 hours about it and again with energy and I'll get up and talk about it again tomorrow and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and have to be really conscious that some people don't want to hear it so that's probably it comes from a place of really knowing what's it all for what's and you know the whole oh what's your why we all hear it and we read it and if you're supposed to be a nurse and it really does stick with you and every sense of your being and your values you'll be a really beautiful passionate energetic nurse but if you're doing it to fill the hours or the days we'll know so yeah maybe I think that's where I feel privileged that I whether it's and it's funny because I can be equally as passionate about work health and safety talking to a producer as well because I love it too. Just taking a breather from Beck's awesomeness to say a little word about today's sponsor. You probably already know this because you listen to company to this podcast, but the bush is full of creative and innovative people. If you like to read and feel their stories, then Bush Journal is for you. This quarterly newspaper was started by a group of female photographers with a shared love of the characters, landscapes and the light of rural Australia. Every issue explores the resilience, strength and curiosity of those that live in the bush, travelling to cane farms, wool sheds and sheep yards to meet chopper pilots, silversmiths, station managers and so many more. It is a stunning, nostalgic read and I've just received my issue three in the mail. It is such good value. The photography is incredible the stories are unique and original and I've never heard of them before and they are told in such a beautiful way for just ten dollars I think it is such a value-packed investment and one that sits so beautifully on my kitchen table now Bush Journal is offering company listeners a 40% discount on any purchase with the code company 40 
That's company four zero. You can make your purchase at bushjournal.com.au or at bushjournal on Instagram. Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up at Dirrambandi Sky. I'm one of three girls and very close to my sisters. One of them's in my team. And I was born to very, very hardworking parents and they have an element of success now that has been very much materialised by being opportunistic. I remember asking my dad, I was 21, I said, hey, Dad, I might start my own business and he'd been self-employed for a very long time and he said, oh, well, you've got nothing to lose. And I did and I kicked the can down the road and that was house paddock 18 years ago. We had a very normal childhood. It was very rich though. Work came above everything else and we have a farming operation now, but it was actually um, an allied sort of business, a freight-broking business back then. And Dad would finish every instruction uh, with either jog along or look lively. So if he'd ask us to open a gate or catch a horse or whatever we did, he'd say, look lively. And so even now, no one in my family drags their feet. And I like that. And it's funny with my children, a bit the same and I feel like I want to if I ask for something to be done and my husband's like geez mate like steady no 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 there's no value in being steady we'll get the job done yeah and we also do things well only you know not bite off more than you can chew and chew hard but yeah don't don't sort of quit and do it to the best of your ability was probably a couple of the things that we were whether it was chanted to us or just even demonstrated to us is, is probably where it's at Tell us a little bit about um, what happened on your farm growing up as a child and about Dirrambandi. Oh, look, Dirrambandi is a hot spot. Uh, so we didn't, we lived on a block. We had beautiful horses growing up and my family still do. Uh, we lived just on the edge of town on the river. So we had horses and motorbikes and that, but never a, um, a farm when we were little. I was one of four or five in a class usually. I've got a sister 13 months older, so we had this raging competitive upbringing because we're often lumped in the same age category for sport and horses and academics and it would just be, a, you know, um, whoever bubbled to the top. And um, we camp drafted and went to pony club um, as children. There weren't a lot of other opportunities for sport. Um, we rode motorbikes. We had we're always surrounded by beautiful family, so lots of cousins who we're all really, really close to. Um I went away just to a state school on the bus up the road for high school. And yeah, look, looking back, it was as it was pretty normal, it was pretty rounded. It was, you know, we always enjoyed a family meal when dad was home together and mum and dad, I, I just remember them working really hard and that's where they got to where they got to. And I hope that I can demonstrate the same to my children. And tell me about Dear and Bandy. Then and now, I I, mm. I think everyone has an association with the name, but I, I don't know much about the town. Definitely a community that's really strongly impacted by um, uh, seasonal conditions. So uh, it is on the banks of the Mighty Boulogne River, which is part of the Murray-Darling Basin Scheme and famous for Cubby Station. So um, I am an, a beautiful advocate for Cubby. It's a very incredible operation that um, I still am very privileged to work with them now like at the moment and on different projects so um there were times where it'd be buzzing and, and a thriving a thriving community you know with a couple of servos and one pub and you know lots of fun times uh really basic facilities 100 kilometers from anywhere and 
then there were times when it was on the bones of its tush and doing it really tough. So um, as with the rest of regional Australia, the last few years did it really hard. But in saying that, it's experiencing some really lovely seasons at the moment. And to talk to some of the older generation out there, there's a, a, a season across both irrigation and the dryland farming country that's as good as they've ever seen. So that's really lovely to see. My family um, are now east of Tamworth at, at Dungown, but they still have business interests out at Dirrambani and they spend a lot of time out there. So yeah, still very much connected, have beautiful family out there. And it's it's a really cool spot. I'm really actually, I love being able to say I'm from this guy. Is that random? If you close one eye and put your head on the side, you'd call it a hole because it sort of is, but it was my hole. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, like, oh, geez, like keep driving. Yeah. It, it, so I'll tell you the one thing. Um, out there at the moment, and, and it's funny because um, in looking back and trying to explain it, when I went through making decisions about life and, and career, the times are really tough. So a lot of my generation left. But at the moment, there's a, an influx of really beautiful young families. So descendants of people who own country out there that didn't go on and become a pilot or a doctor. They're like, bugger this. There's, farming is amazing. So they've come back home. So there's a really lovely young vibrant community out there and if I go out there for an event my husband's got a business connection out there too and if we go out for something to show there's a real buzz in the show committee and back in the pony club and yeah that would, is probably an observation at the moment is that it's um there's some great young people and it, it's got a lovely spring in its step even with some decent irrigation water around which is you know very seasonal Mm. Oh, that's so pleasing to hear. And so how so, did you end up in Agunduindi? I chased a boy. Uh, my husband was an agronomist at the time. Uh, he was my boyfriend. Uh, I was finishing up at, um, at UNE and I used to come up, I used to be able to make two trips a week, three and a half hours in my navy blue Corolla. When I finished uni, I started somewhere else and then got a um, uh, a transfer here and we've been here ever since so it's a, it's a great place to live too so we're not going too far. Tell me about how far and wide your tentacles with um, House Paddock Consulting reach now like Ooh. how many people how many lives do you think you would have touched? Oh it's a good one um, so I could talk probably more easily about the geographic spread I was uh, at Tipperary Station in the Northern Territory on Friday Late last year, I was in South Australia for GRDC. So um, I love across the eastern seaboard, um, we do some miles. A lot of my work's in New South Wales, actually, New South Wales DPI, local land services, clients like that, Cotton Australia. We have had, I don't know, maybe we've worked out maybe 1,500 people through a work health and safety program. But, you know, it's, it's nice to get 100 people on a, a webinar if we're talking about time management and we run them all the time. So... Yeah, I don't know how many people. We've, we could quote some figures on some of our our programs. One of the programs I'm really proud of and passionate about is a program that we run for Tokal College, so the New South Wales DPI's training um, called GROW, and it's a women's leadership program for women in farming. And we've had 500 women through it. It's um, an accredited training program, and so it's a big commitment of six months. So that's probably something I'm really proud of. If all women knew about it, they'd be into what you're doing, surely. I mean, we yeah, all yeah. have the same problems. And I think that's a really, um, it's, a, it's a reasonable comment because one thing with um, all of this is not only is there a real appetite for it, but even just that encouragement that if we are motivated 
to make a change, we can learn time management or managing ourselves and personal effectiveness just as quickly as we can learn to use the upgrade of an iPhone. So that's probably where my message is don't sort of think, oh, I was always unorganised or I was always late or I was never a great planner or I've never been a list writer. Start doing it and it'll mm. get better, no different to I've never been a great photographer. We'll practice being a better photographer and you'll be a better photographer. So I think that's probably um, in, is a little bit of an of encouragement that whether it's big change or little change, any change can hopefully push you in a direction that gives you that sense of more a higher sense of control, a higher sense of, um, and, and which will manifest as achievement and satisfaction, but also sense of calm and sense, sense of, um, you know, ability to maintain a balance and all of the things that we probably in theory are hoping for. I'll let you in on a little secret, Steph. There is this surge of being terrified. My feet will not move. My brain has to say, right foot forward, right foot forward now, now. Your name's being called, go. I remember standing in the middle of the UN General Assembly Hall on the world stage, literally thinking, what the hell am I doing here? What was it like when you were juggling work and, and babies? It was bloody hard. You know, I won't lie. And maybe that's why I do want to check in with others. Hi, I'm Stephanie Hunt, host of the podcast And We're Rolling. The thought of finding our voice and speaking in public or on camera can be terrifying. I know the feeling. So join me as I chat with the world's best female presenters, foreign correspondents, leaders and performers about their secret tips and tricks, what scares them the most and how they find the grit to do it anyway. Find the podcast and we're rolling wherever you listen to your potties and come and say hello at stephaniehuntmedia.com. So what's your own life like, can I ask? Are you an insanely organised person? Yeah, by default probably, but I guess one thing, and so Beckfing Designs is in 45 retail stores and we've got a pretty active direct um, sales website. So for me to maintain house paddock, um, Beckfing Designs and my home and family, I knew that I had to get my stuff in a heap but the other thing I'm a huge subscriber for and specialize in is um is outsourcing and delegation sky so yeah absolutely I'm fairly organized but I don't necessarily do it all myself so I can I believe you can have it all you don't have to do it all and I, that doesn't come from a place of arrogance that comes from a place of realization that so we, we do have plenty of help in our home and we've got plenty of help with our babies. And, and when I say babies, we've only got one little fellow at home now, which that comes with a whole, whole new set of challenges, having kids away. And so, yeah, I'm relatively organised, but it comes with a fairly solid structure, routine, plan, list, and a bit of practising what I preach, which, as I said in the beginning, sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. Um, so how many, um, what, what are the ages of your children? George is 10, uh, Harry is 12, and Ali is nearly 14. Okay, so we've got two yeah. away and George is still at home, the 10-year-old. Yeah, he's the um, our household manager. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> he runs the show. I find that hard to believe. I'm sure you would be the household manager. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, I don't. I've got someone who manages my house pretty much, actually, someone other than me, which is a real treat. Um, uh, his mum's mate. 
Yes. So how do you manage your week? You've got practically, you know, you've got, do you set out yes. particular days for the, each arm of your business and then a home day or tell me? No, not necessarily. We, I map my week on Friday before, which is something that we um, very much encourage people to do. So that then I map out any commitments by way of um, meetings, Zooms, workshops, um, appointments, personal and or business. And again, I don't differentiate. Um, I do have the autonomy and flexibility that I can start my workday whenever I like. So I do start it quite early. Um, I always find that I can, if I really get humming before the sun gets up and before the world wakes up, I can usually get done what I need to get done. And that's a choice. Um, to qualify a comment before, uh, I do have a lady that comes in. Um, she pretty much works for George outside school hours and for me during school hours. So she gives us a hand and does some, um, she'll help us get him off to school um, and then she'll manage Beckfing designs for the day. So orders and, and then also does a fair bit for house paddock as well. Um, and then she'll clock on and, and I'll be really honest and transparent. Sky, she'll also put on a load of washing and, um, you know, might drop a basket of lining. She's a, we would definitely be lost without her. Um, and so I usually, my day does start uh, in the force, which I love. And if my husband's around, we have coffee. When I say around, he's usually around unless he's crazy busy and he might race into town earlier too. And we'll have a coffee together and, you know, chew the fat a little bit, uh, shower and then, but I don't really stuff around in the mornings. I'm usually straight into it because then by lunchtime, I'm sort of can do some of that. And we, we talk about deep and shallow work, which is way too much detail for today, but I'll leave anything that's meaning, meaningful when my energy is lower, which is usually after lunch. So really utilise the time when I'm firing. Um, and then... Um, Don't you get tired? I've recently changed my routine to be up early in the mornings. And if I happen to wake up at 4.30, I will try and get up. Um, yeah. And it's so good. But I really pay a price at the end of the day and... You know, I go to bed at six thirty if I could, but you have you, but you can't. You've got yeah, to- you know what? It's a very, very reasonable. Um, and when we, I was sort of having a think about some things with um, when you sent through the questions. I sleep hygiene is so important, and and so to that end, I do. I don't go to bed in the sixes, but it, it's not far off it. And you do, you mm-hmm. busted. And the other thing is, come five o'clock, I've got some clients that don't mind running evening webinars and oh, geez, it takes a lot to muster the energy. Um, that being said, if there's some days where I'll, I will go to bed at stupid o'clock, like in the sevens, um, but oh. I'll, I'll try to be, and, and I don't apologise for it. I do apologise to my family and I'm like, it'll be a crockpot night. I'm like, and I, I can see them coming. I'm like, oh, I've been burning a candle. I, I need a good night's sleep. And, um, you know, like the rest of us, I end up scrolling my phone of wedding photos of someone I don't even know. So I need to be really conscious of that too and get some decent sleep. Um, and if, yeah, if I can go to bed in the eights or even the nines, I can usually hit the deck and, and function. But my energy levels at the end of the day, um, yeah, they're, they're pretty low. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not much good to anyone after about four or five o'clock, but even in the afternoon. So come two or three o'clock, you wouldn't, I'd hate to think I had to edit a report or something because the quality of work wouldn't be great but I wouldn't I'd do it in the morning it'd be on it'd be in the plan to do it first up when I'm bright or do an interview <laughs> no but I see I love this stuff I could talk like I said this is um 
this stuff brings me energy so I can do it at a time and I uh, have a, uh, a the privilege of some incredible coaching clients through a New South Wales DPI project and I don't mind talking to them in the afternoon because they energize me mm. like I, I love talking to them so and I'm not saying I wouldn't give my prime time to them because they definitely deserve it and some of them it suits for us to talk at six o'clock in the morning um, before their day starts so we we have no excuse. Can mm. I ask a few questions on that? Sure. Um, so you talk about getting some help in in the family so your mm. woman sounds so amazing wouldn't we all love to have somebody like that who can help in the business and at home as well mm-hmm. how long did it take you um you know your eldest is 14 to realize or to feel comfortable and not guilty um getting that's that sort of help yeah it's a really good question and um when I was I was talking to my sister prior to chatting to you because as you you know, your listeners would know that you sent her some guides of questions like, look, how honest do I be about how much help I actually get? And she said, well, how honest do you be that you run two businesses that are profitable and you get up at 4.30 every morning? Like it's not like I'm lying on the couch or she's working around me. So, um, yes, it, it always comes with an element of, well, no, it doesn't come with an element of guilt anymore. And people will say in our community, and, and this beautiful girl, and I, I'll make sure she listens, her name is Riley. Oh, you're lucky to have a Riley. I'm like, well, everyone can have a Riley. I found her on Facebook. And I, I mean that. Like, but to go back, we always had all pairs um, while the children were little because they're only four years from top to bottom at three under four. And, uh, and I wanted to work and I worked all the way through, but I also wanted the privilege of picking and choosing um, to do the good bits and, you know, some of the operational stuff get a hand with. And so once um, my business has grown, I sort of, and I'm not saying I didn't like it having someone in a house, but I thought, oh, maybe we could try this with a local person to come in a few hours a day. And then the kids got a bit bigger and I was like, well, you could give me a hand with that if you liked. And and as a result, we've it's sort of grown and uh, organically and there's now a full-time job for someone who's really switched on and, and smart and uh, we'd be bloody well lost without it uh, in terms of the guilt you can uh, I look at um, the resources I have so I have got my time I've got my energy and I've got my money and sometimes and I say this without arrogance more to hopefully give some the heads up that we're pro- sometimes better off putting some money where our time is and um, if i I don't like when our house isn't in order. So if I have to come home and work till midnight, we've already ascertained that I should be going to bloody bed because otherwise I'm no good to anybody. But, um, yeah, so I guess that's where, you know, it's a cleaner or not someone to do a basket of ironing or, and I always say um, we've got the best coffee shop in Eastern Australia that they make a mean lasagna. Like it's tough to find making a lasagna sky. Like, and I'm, I love cooking and I love nourishing my family, but I grab one of those once a week and I, you know, like I just, yeah, I think that. I just oh, wish I there was yeah. less, I, I just wish there was less guilt around um, getting external, external help. There's a few barriers to break down there. Oh, I definitely. Think. And it's one of the things. Um, I was sort of thinking about talking about what can we change and it would be a button to rid that guilt. But then the only other thing I say is is if you turn it on its head and think about it really operationally, I am fortunate that I can put a value on my hour. So I could pick up a coaching client or work on a new tablecloth design or and I know what that can materialise. So then I think, oh, well, I can, is it is it a justification piece? But also... 
it might be a good old-fashioned barter situation where you're a beautiful lunchbox cook and someone else loves ironing will swap some of your time so it, it doesn't have to be as cut and dry sometimes creative creativity can sneak in here and we can you know do a bit of old-fashioned bartering or something and the other thing I'll sometimes say to clients if they've say ended up in a um, family farming business for example and they're doing the books and they hate it and I was like go and get a job in a dress shop and use the money to pay a bookkeeper like if that's what's going to give you a higher sense of satisfaction and fulfillment in what you're trying to achieve there's mm. you can mount the resources reshuffle the resources if yeah but it, it's yeah and I, I've been doing it for a long time to come to a place where and I don't it's not on Facebook that I do it now, now it's on a podcast and I but I, I don't know I also think the more we talk about it and history and legacy is not a good enough reason to do something so just because your mum or your mother-in-law or your neighbours never had a cleaner or never done that well is, is it right for you and I think that's where having real clarity of what you're trying to achieve and sticking in your own lane and and doing what works for you and your family rather than I don't know like I, I try not to judge because uh, yeah, and, and people can judge away. Like, oh, you know, if it, yeah, they can judge me if they like. I'm, I'm quite comfortable with that. And and I, I think, think also, people won't judge. I think they'll take heed. I, uh, yeah, I, mm. I, yeah, I hope so. That's not what we're doing. It no, for. definitely I think we're not. Trying to, I'm, yeah, encourage and inspire. Um, no, definitely not. Tell me about lists, and also, mm. I, th- I think you're, I think you'd be a great diary lover. So tell me mm. about what what your opinion is about lists and the importance of a good diary? Theoretically, a list is the most, the principal tool of efficiency and time management is where it's at. And the other thing is a list clears up the white noise, but I'm going to make it a bit more complicated and say you really need two lists. You need a master list, which is a dumping ground for all the stuff that you need to do that doesn't need to be done today because we want our list, Sky, today's list, to be a list that, we get finished so it needs to be chunked down needs to be achievable all the good things because then at the end of the day you get a real feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment that comes only from completion because I'll tell you what women do is they write too much on their list and they don't follow the list and they get to the end of the day and they write a couple of things on it just so they can cross it out and then they screw it up and feel like crap because they didn't do what they're supposed to have done but was it really what they're supposed to have done so (laughs) just writing a list is not good enough write a good list but then again, where does the list come from? And that's what I was sort of talking about, having an, having some goals, turning them into a strategy, turning them into a monthly plan, weekly plan, and funnily enough, your monthly plan populates your weekly plan, which populates today's to-do list. And the other thing I'll say about planning and list writing is you've got to plan for the lot. You've got to plan for mental and physical wellbeing, relationships. They don't just happen. They need to be planned for and allowed for and if you get the rest of the stuff right they sort of come guilt-free as well well Beck, I am so glad that we have chatted I've learned mm-hmm. so much today and I can see and like few little things to add to the structure and yeah hopefully it's not the last time I talk to you but thanks so much for taking the time out of your very long days to record this interview no I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have a chat and I hope that I didn't talk too much what an absolute bundle of energy Beck is. I have been wanting to have her on this podcast for such a long time now and I just really wish that it didn't take me so long. 
I hope you loved that chat, especially the daily and the weekly management stuff towards the end. This is exactly the kind of chats and information that we'll be delving into in our daily routines podcast, which is going to be launching soon in July. In fact, Beck Fing will be one of our guests. She'll run you through her day from the moment she wakes at 4.30 a.m. until the end of her day. And we talk about washing, exercise and what happened for her when she hit a slump. Daily Routines will be a weekly, bite-sized podcast, 10 to 15 minutes in length, speaking with extraordinary and ordinary women everywhere, cities and bush all over the world, about how they manage their homes, work and their lives generally. If you'd like to be featured, do reach out to me because I'd absolutely love to have anybody on. Also, the goodness from Beck Fing doesn't end there become a paid subscriber to our newsletter company on Sunday to see Beck's podcast playlist sign up at mansonpodcasting.com.au and if you want to find Beck she's at housepaddockconsulting.com.au or just search anywhere house paddock consulting thanks for tuning in we'll be back with you next week